Hey there, podcast listeners. We have a special treat for you today. Uh, about four times a year, we have what we call a kid-friendly sermon. Uh, it happens during school holidays. And basically, I pitch the sermon such that the kids really get the first half and uh, I, I make some extra comments to the adults at the end. It's an unusual kind of sermon, but it's one that seems to work for our congregation and I hope it's of benefit to you too. Anyway, here's the sermon. Father, without your word to us, without your word to us, we wouldn't know what you're like. We wouldn't know how to be forgiven and saved. We wouldn't know Jesus. Oh, we might have heard about him, but we wouldn't know him. We know you, our God, because you still speak today when your Bible is read out and preached, when your word, Father, is spoken. God in heaven, thank you for your word to us. And please help us, your children, to learn more deeply how to love Jesus and live for him in every little pocket of our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay. Ah, I do have some kids in the middle. Well done. All right, kids, are you ready? This morning I have two verses. Mostly it's just two verses, two big verses, important verses, uh, that I want us to wrap our heads around this morning as we come to 1 Corinthians. And I'll tell you what the two verses are. It's 1 Corinthians, so chapter 1, that's the very beginning, so big number 1, little number, so verse 5 and verse 8. We're going to read them together um, shortly. 1 Corinthians, chapter 1, verse 5 and verse 8. They're the two verses, those are the two that you need to know. But before I do that, let me tell you the big picture of all that we're talking about this morning, and it's this. It's that lots of other Christians may have lots of great stuff and lots of other churches may do all of the cool things and lots of other Christians may be doing way, way better than us, but if we've got Jesus, then we have got all we need. Let me say that again and think about it this time. Think about the other Christians you know and the other churches you know. Lots of other Christians might have lots of great stuff. They do, don't they? And lots of other churches might do so many cool things. They do, don't they? And lots of other Christians may be doing way, way better than us. But if we've got Jesus, we've got everything we need. We've got all we need if we've got Jesus. Have you got Jesus? Okay. Uh, Let's go. Open up your Bibles um, or read along with me on the screen, whichever way you want to go. So we're going to start, this this week we're starting a series for the grown-ups, but we're starting it all together. We're starting a series um, in one of my favourite books of the Bible. So it's called 1 Corinthians. John read the first little bit of it just a moment ago. Um, Can anyone anyone tell me why it's called Corinthians? Because, I mean, Corinthians, you know what Corinthians are. They're those those funny, like, chocolatey, biscuity kind of tube straw things. You know, that's what a Corinthian is, right? Um, you know, the ones with the... Can you actually suck milk up through them? Can you... You can do that? Thank you, Edie. Brilliant. I've got some... Okay, so I'll, you know to try that next time. Okay, I wasn't sure if they were completely solid. That's what a Corinthian is. So this must be talking about a different Corinthian. Okay, so can anyone tell me, actually, uh, younger people, uh, why is it called 1 Corinthians? Why is it called Corinthians? Anyone tell me? I'm just murmuring, but yeah, Christo... Because the church was in Corinth. Which church, um, Christo? Which church? What are you talking about? 
our church, because there was a church in Corinth. So why is this bit of the Bible called Corinthians? He's right. Any idea? Why does this bit of the Bible get to be called Corinthians? Hmm. Yeah, Chris, so again. Brilliant! Yes, because he was sending, Paul was sending a letter to the church in Corinth, to the Christians in a town called, or a big city actually, called Corinth. And so it is called 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Excellent, okay. So we know it's not chocolate, um, uh, we know they're in Corinth. Yes, so he starts off by saying, we'll read this verse in a minute, he starts off by saying, my name's Paul and Jesus gave me a special, special job. And, oh yeah, my mate Saucy is with me um, as well, writing this letter. Here it is, uh, chapter 1, verse 1. Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. There we go, I'm Paul. There's my job, Jesus gave it to me, and our brother Saucy. Well, that's not quite what it says. I reckon that would have been his nickname though, right? Surely? Sosthenes. It's a bit of a mouthful. Uh, So Paul and Saucy are writing to, verse 2, to the church of God in Corinth, uh, to all those... Uh, sanctified in Christ and so on. So then he says this this nice stuff about them. So the Christians there in Corinth, basically he says, you may be one little church, you may be just a little church, uh, but you are chock full of people who are special to Jesus. You're holy. Um, you're sanctified. Jesus has people like you everywhere. Isn't that nice? So from me and Saucy to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord um, and ours. Now, so far, so good. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So far, so good. We're special to Jesus. They're special to Jesus. Then he says this strange thing. And this is what I want us to figure out. So verse 4, he says, I'm so thankful God has made you guys Christians. Then verse 5, we're up to one of our key verses. Verse 5, here we go. Verse 5, he says, For in him you have been enriched, enriched in every uh, way. I've just lost my own place. You have been enriched in every way, he says, uh, because you believe the gospel. Then verse 7, we'll skip down a little bit. Verse 7, therefore you don't lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly await for Jesus Christ to be revealed. Get that. He's saying, you have been enriched. You are rich. You've got everything you need. You don't lack anything as you wait for Jesus to come back. Let's have a little think about that. That little idea. You are rich, Paul is saying to these Corinthian Christians. You've got everything you need. You don't lack anything until Jesus comes back. Kids, I've been doing some thinking this week, and I'd like to do some of it with you now. So can you, I'd like you to to help me with it. Can we uh, write together a little list of all the things where we're not rich and all the things where we don't have everything uh, and, and we feel that we do lack some stuff? So basically, I want to write a list now of all the things that you lack, all the stuff that you don't have. And I'll share with you some of what I don't have in just a minute. But can you tell me, who's going to start me off? Now, just, we'll just put, put down a little list of things we don't have. Things where we're not rich. Anyone got any ideas? Yeah, Max. Computer. A computer, that, very good. All right, top of the list. Who else has got one? Things that you lack or don't have. <laughs> Money, all right, okay. Yes, anyone else? 
What do you not have? Yeah, uh, Charlie. Ozstar. Brilliant. Okay. Computer, money, Ozstar. I'm getting a list together now. Max again. A car. Very good. You don't have a car, I'm sure. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, anything else that you lack? Can we think of anything? I'll give you my list in just a moment. Anything else that you lack? Don't you have? There must be something. Yes. A rabbit! Ah! Oh. How's a girl to cope if she doesn't have a rabbit? I know. Anyway, I've, uh, I'll share with you some of my things on the list. All right, Christo, last one. Oh, no. Yeah, see, now it's coming out. Now it's coming out. Here it comes. All right, I'm just going to put a lid back on this one, but I'll share with you some of the things that I don't have. I don't have a wood fire or a heat pump. I don't have a PlayStation, I don't have a Snorlax in Pokemon, I don't have a dramatic sounding conversion story like other people do, I don't have a long handled shovel which causes problems sometimes, um, I don't have, um, let me see what else is on this list, um, I don't have um, an electric guitar, I don't have a plumber in my family, I do have some builders, that's nice, um, I don't have... A, a pair of chinos that I actually like. I don't have a family shack, but do have generous friends, which is wonderful. I don't have a scar worth talking about. Little scar on my foot doesn't really count. I don't have a tattoo. Um, I don't have a passport. I don't have a bucket at home that has these two things. No holes in the bottom, because it hasn't been turned upside down and used with a stool. Um, and also a working handle, because it hasn't been used to carry things that it's seriously not designed for. Um, so you see, there's lots of things that I don't have, that I lack that I don't have in life, not to mention rabbits and computers and cars and a room to myself. Dad, we actually do have a rabbit. Yeah, we, <laughs> we do. Be careful, and I can't fight back. There's a lot of things where we're not rich and a lot of things that we do lack. And I hope you take notes, by the way, because Christmas is coming. So if you need that list later on, just let me know. Uh, and it, what's, so what's this about? Verse 5. What is verse 5 about? It says, for in him, ah, in Jesus, you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking and all your knowledge. Therefore, verse 7, therefore, you don't lack any spiritual gift as you wait for the return of the Lord Jesus, wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to return. So what Paul is saying is, you are rich, Bernard, or Max, or Charlie, or Christo, um, uh, you are rich, you have every spiritual thing that you need to live a life eagerly waiting for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. Think about this, will I make it through my life as a Christian? Do I have what it takes to make it through my life as a Christian? Yes. Has God given me enough to make it through life? I can see what's ahead. I don't know if I can. Yes, you can. Have I got what it takes to make it? In Jesus, brothers and sisters, you do. You've got enough. Um, I've got enough and so do you. You have everything in Jesus to make it through life, trusting and waiting and persevering till Jesus comes back. He might take a very long time. I don't know how long that he's given you everything. You don't lack a thing. If you believe the gospel, you've got it all, everything that you'll ever need. And just in case something comes up, or just in case things go bad, verse 8, he, God, 
He will keep you strong to the end so that you'll be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. Now, one last little thing. One last little thing. I want you to imagine, I know it's holidays, uh, but I want you to imagine that you're back at school. In fact, I want you to imagine that it's sport day at school. Who's got a uniform, like a different sport uniform? Any, any? Yes, some, some of us, not all of us, maybe. Uh, so, you, uh, you, it's sports day, phys ed, uh, whatever you want to call it, PE, uh, and you've got your sports uniform on, you're at school, and you're going to play, let's say, soccer. Yes. You're going to play soccer. Nice, fun, simple, happy soccer, except you're not playing yet. And I may have used this picture before, I couldn't actually remember if I have. You're not playing yet, they're just picking teams. You know that experience? So the teacher has picked two captains. You know how this goes, don't you? The teacher has picked two captains, and one by one by one, your friends are being picked one by one by one, but you? And I'll pick, I'll pick John because you'll know the rules better than anyone else, and so you can argue the point over you know, when, when we get sort of sorely done by. And I'll pick, um, I'll pick Joanne, because if I've got Joanne on my team and she gets the ball, she's so sweet and lovely, who's going to tackle Joanne? Like, <laughs> uh, or I'll pick, um, I'll, pick, I'll pick Kent, because he's, he's quite a wily kind of a guy, and I reckon he'll figure out the way through their defences, you see? But one by one by one, all my friends are being picked, but not me. And there's just me left at the end, Billy, no friends. You see, sometimes as Christians, I think we get to feel like us at our church, or our youth group, or in our kind of little way, like we are the last and we're the least, and we lack an awful lot of stuff. But that church over there, gosh, they're interesting. Gosh, they've got it all. Gosh, they do it better than anyone else. Gosh, I wish we were over there. I wish I was with their friends. Brothers and sisters, kids and grown-ups together, I want you to know, if you have Jesus, you've got everything you need to the very end. Everything you need until Jesus comes back. Maybe you've been to a church where they say all sorts of things. Maybe you've been to a church where they say, you've got to speak in tongues to be a real Christian. I want to say, wrong. If you've got Jesus, you've got everything that you need. Maybe you've been amongst a group of Christians and maybe your friends say this sometimes, that you've got to get baptised or you've got to get re-baptised or you've got to get baptised in a particular way so you go all the way under the water. Otherwise, you haven't really got it. I want to say rubbish. If you've got Jesus, you've got everything you need. You don't lack anything until the return of Christ. Maybe they say something about your pastor, or maybe they say something about your family, or maybe they say something else that makes you feel kind of crummy. Guys, if you've got Jesus, you've got every single thing that you need, and God will keep you strong to the very end, to the last day. Shall we pray together? Let's pray. God in heaven, thank you so much that you have done all that we need. You have done all that we need in Christ to be safe and confident and sure to the very end. He came to be our saviour and to save us fully. Our, our life may have all sorts of ups and downs and sadnesses and hard times, as well as good times, but we know our, our God in heaven that if we've got Jesus, then we know that you're with us, 
you'll keep us strong, even when we're feeling weak, and we'll make it to the end in your strength. Keep us strong, O God, just as you've promised. Help us to believe it, to keep believing in Jesus, even when we're tempted to doubt and feel small and feel at a loss. Keep us strong to the very end, to the day that he comes back. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Right. Uh, grown-ups and uh, any younger ones who happen to want to um, stick with me for this bit, I've got a few, uh, just a few. I spoke a bit longer than usual to the kids tonight. Oh, well, it's all right. I've just got a few quick things to say to the rest of us. Uh, but the big idea remains the same. It may look like other churches, other Christians, other leaders are going gangbusters, doing better than us, that they've got it all. But no, spiritually... We've got it all in Christ. We have all that we need to stay strong for his return. That's, uh, that's the overall. Three quick headings. And they are very quick. Firstly, for us, everywhere, everywhere. Um, and this one flips that around, actually, because you might have noticed in the Corinthian church, as John read the passage to us before, I don't think their problem was, oh, poor little us, look at the big, attractive, wonderful world out there, they've got everything. No, 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 no. That wasn't the Corinthian problem. The Corinthian problem was, look at big important us. We've got it all. Those poor suckers over there. Oh, that was more the Corinthian um, problem. And and yet Paul opens with this. Read along with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 2. He says, to the church of God in Corinth. There you are. Big important us, says Paul. To the church of God in Corinth, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Do you see what he's doing there? Have you ever seen what it looks like when a church gets to thinking that they're the only real believers? Have you ever been part of a church like that or maybe not a church like that, but just a group of friends like that? Uh, As I've seen it, I think it can fall one of a couple of ways. Among young believers, I think it can look arrogant and argumentative, can't it? Have you seen that? Our church or our kind of church, we've got it all and I'm not even sure that those guys even really get it. But among older believers, I think it can, I think the same tendency, it just looks a bit different. It can be a pride in good things, good doctrines and good ministries, good history, tradition, lifestyle, a pride in good things that can become instead grounds to never partner, never join forces, never pray for, never risk being associated with. We don't need to circle the wagons, Paul is telling us, old and young, because it is only together with all those everywhere that we call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So firstly, everywhere. Secondly, everyone. Second little takeaway for us everyone. Take a look at this with me, would you please? I think that, yeah, I've got, so that's the first half of this quote. Even though Paul disagreed with the Corinthians on many counts and disapproved of much of their behaviour, I'll give you the rest of the sentence in a minute. No, run back, quick, run back, go back. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Thanks, Drew. For those of you who know 1 Corinthians, can you think of what that quote is referring to? even though Paul disagreed with the Corinthians on many counts, disapproved. Can you think of some of the characteristics of the Corinthian church? What was going on there? Just claw it back into your minds. It might have been a while since you've read 1 Corinthians. Lawsuits, that was one. 
So one of their members is actually suing, like taking to court one of their other members. Do you remember? Can you imagine coming to church on Sunday morning if someone on this side was taking someone on that side to court or had successfully done so? What a mess. Um, Incest of some kind, Paul says, stuff that would have appalled non-Christians, all sorts of other issues, fighting at the Lord's Supper, doubting the return of Jesus. That's pretty central, right? Doubting the return of Jesus. Church had become a competition as to who had the best gifts. It sounds like Sunday had become chaos for them. They pined after fancy public speakers instead of being content with people who just preached Jesus to them week by week. I mean, they were a shipwreck as a church uh, there in Corinth. Now, come back with me to this quote. Even though Paul disagreed with the Corinthians on many counts and disapproved of much of their behaviour, Paul recognised that God had begun a good work in them at their conversion. And this is referring to verse 4. This is how Paul opens his letters. Chapter 1, verse 4. I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. It's funny, isn't it? Do we remember to thank God for one another like that? Is that the first thing that falls from our mouth when there's tension or when there's disagreement, when there's even sin or or doubts on the big stuff of our Christian faith? Is this the first thing? Even when there are doctrines at stake? Is this what comes from our mouth? Gosh, I thank God for his grace in your life in the Lord Jesus. Is that the first thing that comes to mind? So everyone, everywhere, firstly, everyone, and lastly, only Christ. Take a look at verse 17 of chapter 1 with me. For Christ did not send me to baptise, says Paul, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, we'll talk more about that next week, to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Yeah, the problem with squabbling churches of who baptised And how the problem with anxious churches over what they've got and what we don't. The problem with cocky churches that fancy themselves rather too much. Churches like that, it is all about ourselves. And it's not about Christ anymore. And the power of his gospel, the power of his resurrection. And for that reason, those churches, they've got nothing to offer the world, do they? Brothers and sisters, we've got all we need in Christ to stay strong for his return. Let's pray together. Oh God, what a saviour we have in Jesus who takes our eyes, lifts our eyes off ourselves and fixes them firmly on a sure and lasting hope that is for all the world. Father, thank you that you've reached into our lives. Each of us individually have taken hold of us from going wherever we were going in life and you've taken hold of us and you've set us on an eternal path to glory. Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you for your involvement in our life by your spirit each day, that you are our strength when we are weak, that even though we fall down in some of these areas from time to time, you lift us up. You turn us around, you open our eyes and you point us to Jesus again and again. And Lord God, would you carry that work on to completion? Father, when Jesus comes back, may our hearts be filled with absolute joy. And Lord God, may we strive even now 
to see that our friends and our family, our loved ones, our neighbours share that same joy with us on the day of his return. Father, we have that message, a message that is powerful, a message that saves. Uh, Would you, in your kindness and your mercy, use us to share with those around us? We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.